What is happening, everybody? Welcome to a TGIFF edition, a playoff edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, and we are less than 24 hours away from kickoff at MT Bank Stadium, where the Ravens are waiting for the Texans. Now, as you probably could figure out, very similar to our trip to Indianapolis when we beat the former Baltimore team, the former Baltimore Colts, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we are in Baltimore as we speak, getting ready to take on the Ravens. So this recorded. We did a lot of this uh, ahead of time, needed to, had to do it uh, on Friday morning. Um, but bear with me. There's plenty here um, that we can discuss and we're going to discuss. And it's a jam-packed show. We're going to hear from D'Amico Ryans in just a little bit. We are also going to hear from Chris Kiffin, linebacker coach for your Houston Texans. And yes, brother of Lane Kiffin, son of Monty Kiffin, longtime defensive coordinator uh, in the NFL. We've also got a little pregame interview with Jonathan Grenard with Drew Doherty. And Drew's also got a Drew's Dozen with JG52 as well. Drew and I are going to go in the lab. We'll give you cream of the croppers and a couple of stories and story time uh, that pertain to this team. And haircuts. So, you have to figure out what that's all about. And then we're going to go D'Amico Reloaded at the end of the show. The last thing you'd like to be able to hear is the head coach of your Houston Texans, who has been a superstar in the last 24 hours. Now, we've known D'Amico to be a superstar in many, many ways. But I think people around the country are finding out, and maybe even people in Houston are finding out, how much of a stud D'Amico Ryans actually is as a leader, as a coach, as a football savant, he's got it all. Um, and we are very, very lucky. When you look around the state and you look around other locations and you see what NFL teams have as a head coach, a leader of that organization, pales in comparison to what we got going on here. You got the head coach, you got the GM, you've got the quarterback that can put it all together to go win a Super Bowl this year. Hopefully, man, hopefully we've got enough to go toe-to-toe with these so powerful Ravens. Oh, my goodness. They've just walloped everybody. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to have our work cut out, there's no doubt, on Saturday uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed in the AFC. Lost four times, really three times. However, they lost three times to three teams the Texans beat, the Steelers, the Colts, and the Browns. And as my man Landry Locker said today on In the Loop, if you miss us, if we win this game, then we're the kings of the North, too. We would have beaten all AFC North teams. We got three down. We got one to go. And if you want to go a step further, it's week three of the revenge tour. First, it was the Indianapolis Colts. We avenged week two's loss. Then we had the Cleveland Browns. We avenged the week 16 loss. Now it's time to avenge the week one loss to the Baltimore Ravens. And the man that will lead this team into that football battle is D'Amico Ryan's he caught up with Mark Vandermeer and here that is coach you've been good against the run this year and this team runs it a lot and very well but it's different with Lamar Jackson how tough of a challenge is that yeah tough challenge when you have the quarterback who can run the ball they they make you play truly 11 on 11 football right Mm. so now you have to involve your post safety into the run fit so the quarterback pulls the ball your safety has to show up he has to make his presence known in the run fits. So it's tough playing Lamar, right? And it's, it starts with him, and they have some guesswork there because sometimes he's 
pulling it, but he's not pulling it as often as you would think. So mm. really, with those running backs, like we have to do a really good job of how I call it, defending from inside out. We want to make them run laterally to the sideline and utilize our speed to get them down. How tough is it to impersonate Lamar Jackson on the look team? Yeah, well, case tried this week, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough impersonation. Uh, but um, you you see the looks on film. The biggest mm. thing is right when he pulls the ball. Right, how many guys can we get to him? Right, yeah. that, that's the biggest thing. When Lamar has made plays, it's been one-on-one tackles, and I tell guys, you're not going to tackle him one-on-one. We need guys setting the edge, forcing him to cut back inside to our defensive line, and hopefully we can get a, a big hit on him and take the ball away. What about in coverage, deep coverage, maybe Flowers, the tight ends, very dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous at all the skill level positions. It starts with Flowers. He has the speed. He's he's dynamic. He can beat you down the field. But where they hang their hat the most is on the RPO games where they're throwing them the bubble screens. And he's a very shifty guy. And he does a really great job of cutting back inside. So, again, it, what we call tracking guys have to do a really great job of tracking inside out versus Flowers. Tight end Andrews, if he plays, he is a, definitely a big target. And our, our safeties and our linebackers will have a good matchup there versus him. And the biggest thing with Lamar and their skill position is Lamar starts to scramble. He starts to improvise. We have to plaster. Mm-hmm. Plaster, you have to – Cover the man closest to you and cover him as long as as long as you have to, right? And uh, that'll be the biggest thing. And our D-line really has to stay after Lamar and have that second effort to get him down. What about attacking their defense? Running game last time, it's a completely different deal. Right. Now you have a running game you can work with against the Ravens. Yeah, the, the teams that have beaten uh, the Ravens, uh, they've ran the ball for 30-plus rushes. Mm-hmm. So, And that's where it starts more – controlling the tempo of the game right really if it's three yards that's okay but you have to stay after it you have to continue to stay after it with the running game and that's if we run the ball well that's our chance to win the game so it's going to start there motor and our offensive line has done a great job over the past couple weeks we have to have another great outing versus this team tough run team starting with their d-line big guys up front that we have to try to move. Their linebackers do a great job playing sideline to sideline. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because off the edge, they have dangerous people, and CJ's got to be aware, but up the middle, Pierce and those guys in the rotation, very tough. Yeah, that's where that's the strength of their defense, right? Mm -hmm. It's up the middle, the two interior guys. They're big, strong guys who can really press the pocket when we're talking about the passing game, but also in a run game. How do you move these guys off their spot? It's going to take a lot of effort. We have to be really great on our combination blocks, our double teams. We really have to work to move these guys. Coach, I will not ask you about cold weather, but what about (laughs) the wind? How much did it help you working in some of the wind you had this week at practice with the kicking game and passing game? Yeah, the wind, the wind, that's the biggest factor. It doesn't matter about the cold, but the wind, if it's not too windy and you can feel like you know, you can throw the ball fairly decent and it's not a factor. The kicking game will always be, you know, an issue with the win, whether it's field goals or, or punting the ball, just being able to feel the punts. It, it will be a huge factor in a game. So we have to go out and test it early. Hopefully the win is it's not too bad. And hopefully we do a great job of just being locked in and being focused right on protecting the football. Coach, thanks a lot for the right. time. Good luck. Thanks, Mark. Tremendous stuff, as always, from our guy, D'Amico Ryans. Now, D'Amico knows linebackers. He knows football. He knows defense. Chris Kiffin does as well, and Chris is the linebackers coach, and obviously he and D'Amico will talk a lot about what's happening at that position, but I think the linebackers have made significant strides 
significant strides this year. We had a good time. This is the first time we've had Chris Kiffin in studio. Hopefully it's not the last because he was tremendous. And it's also the first time. And Mark and I have been doing this for 10 years. I don't think we've ever interviewed brothers before. We had Lane Kiffin last year when he was here for the Tax Act Texas Bowl. And now we got Chris Kiffin, linebackers coach for yours, for your Texans. Let's catch up with Chris right here. All right, with us now in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, it's Texans linebackers coach Chris Kiffin. Coach, how's it going today? Very good. Just got off the practice field, getting ready for a big-time matchup Saturday. Off the practice field, feeling fresh and warm. So (laughs) you think it helps what you've been through this week so far with some of the cold weather to get ready for whatever you're facing in Baltimore, or does it not really matter that much? I really think it it does. You know, I think that'd be an advantage for them if we were down here in 80 degrees every day and then get up there and and get complete shock. So I think – you know, having it roughly the same weather, about 30 degrees today, um, you know, I think that's really good, especially for catching balls and those guys just getting acclimated to the things they have to do. Okay, we're going to ask you a little bit more in just a second, but I just thought of something. What's that? We've done a lot of interviews in our 10 years together. Yeah. Have we ever interviewed brothers? Uh, I don't know. Well, we had, look, we had Bobby Slowick in here, okay? Yeah. So, oh, brothers at the same time. Oh, because we interviewed Lane last year. We interviewed year Lane last year. When he was here for the bowl. And now we're interviewing Chris. I think oh, this is the first. Oh, yeah. We've got, a, got a couple of brothers. Uh, Coach, with your linebacker crew this year, when you think about week one playing the Baltimore Ravens and how they're playing right now, what's been kind of the biggest change, you think, over the season from your group? Wow. I mean, it just feels like so long ago we were laughing yeah. about it today in the meeting room looking at the, you know, when we watched that tape together. Uh, just the growth, you know, of all the guys, but really the growth within the system. You know, it was our first year in the system. Yeah, we had uh, the spring and OTAs and whatnot and training camp. But even then, that's your first real game playing at Baltimore with those guys. And then, you know, coming off the game we just had at, at Cleveland to see some of the growth. Like, you know, of course, Christian Harris, like, it's just a completely different player from week one to yep. week 19 or whatever yep. it is. So, uh, that's what I've been excited to see, and, and you know, and that that gives them confidence going into this matchup. You know, like holy cow, look how far we've come. Let's go give it our best shot. Yep. What about Blake Cashman and what he's meant to the linebacking core, Coach? Yeah, I think you know he really surprised us early on when he had you know a breakout game, so to say, against Jacksonville and made some plays. And then you know he's just really given us a lot of flexibility. Play Sam linebacker and base. Uh, he's had to play Mike linebacker a number of times uh, when guys get banged up, and then. Really, he's kind of evolved as our third down middle linebacker, you know, uh, in coverage. And, and he's got a knack for rushing, I think, you know, against the Saints. There's a number of times where he hit the quarterback uh, blitzing. So he gives us a lot of flexibility, and uh, and it's been great to see. Coach, I want to go back to Christian a little bit, thinking about that, because we've talked about that a lot, you know, what guys look like in week one versus now. And it feels like the confidence for Christian has just grown and grown and grown and grown, and whether that was – he was making plays, and that fed his confidence, or he just got more comfortable in the system. What's kind of fed, in your opinion, Christian's growth really since about halfway through the year? I mean, he's just been tremendous. Yeah, I think it's just it's just the reps over and over and over again, just sharpening his sword. Like, you know, I've had so many guys rotate in and out of positions, and it's just he has been the mainstay at will linebacker, in base, in nickel, all season long. Like, has not missed a snap for injury, knock on wood. Um, he's just been out there every single day and in the meeting room like he's locked in he's trying to get better he's trying to learn it means so much to him and you know to see again to talk about that pick six the other day like just the excitement from his teammates you know we saw sting was the first one to react on the field and then the (laughs) sideline obviously and everybody's so happy for him because you know that play just came to life for him yeah linebackers coach chris kiffin joining us in studio as a linebacker you have to be this ferocious 
go destroy the ball carrier type of player. And also, oh, by the way, cover the tight end while you're <laughs> at it and be good at it. How hard is it to balance that while you're teaching them and for them to execute that? Yeah, I think I think that's the excitement about playing the position. You know, you're in, you're involved in every single play, so to say. So, uh, and especially in our scheme, you know, our scheme asks them to to cover certain routes. Uh, so we say slow till you know in the run game to make sure mm. that you know it's run first. We don't really play downhill as linebackers um, in this system, but that's that's the tough part, you know, to get them to learn that. And sometimes, you know, he catches them and and they fall off the cliff. We say and things like that. But when they do know, now it's time to trigger. You got to go get wet and and get a TFL, make a play in the run game. Coach Christian, still a young player in his second year. You know, Blake's been around a few years. What has Denzel Perryman meant to the linebacker room? Uh, having having been around, I know he's been banged up. I know there's suspension, all that kind of stuff. But what has he meant to the linebacker room and to the linebacker core this year? Just the toughness, the style of play, the physicality, the mindset of a eighth, ninth-year pro uh, that plays linebacker the way it should be played, you know. You can call him old school linebacker, right? Yeah. Like that's the yeah. that's the downhill yeah. linebacker we were just mm-hmm. discussing. But um, you know, and he like you said, he's had some adversity this year and you know, he's just consistent again. And here he is helping us out at the end of the season, starting for us, playing meaningful ball. Uh, you know, can't say enough about him and he's been great for the young guys. You know, he sits next to Henry in the meeting room yeah. and Henry's always picking his brain on this and that and, and he's been in a lot of different systems. So just a lot of knowledge there and he's been a pro for us all year. Yeah. What's it like being the linebackers coach playing or coaching for D'Amico Ryans? I got to think it's like being the tight ends coach in Detroit and Dan Campbell's the head coach. <laughs> you know, the head coach knows a lot about coaching your position and playing your position. That's right. They say that's good news, bad news. Right? Good news is, <laughs> yep. you know, but um, no, it's been awesome for me, you know, just to even going back to the spring, just to hear him, you know, teach the linebackers and, and every time he speaks to them, you know, I'm trying to steal a nugget here and there because, you know, he, he's played it. Like you said, he's coached this system for a long time and, and just can't say enough about him. His leadership, those guys gravitate towards him and his knowledge of the system. Like, it's just incredible for everybody. Coach, this week is Baltimore again. Um, you talked about watching that week one game. A lot of things, a lot of problems they create because of what Lamar can do. Gus Edwards, a downhill runner, all that kind of stuff. What's probably the biggest chore in slowing them down, especially for your guys, a linebacker? Yeah, linebacker is just finding the ball. There's only one ball, and they're going to do a lot of misdirection, mm. a lot of pulling guards, a lot of, yeah. you know, they bring number 42 in, fullback, and yep. and there's just so much. Um, somebody used to describe it as trying to read a book with somebody waving a hand in front of the book, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a lot of window dressing. So there's one ball. we got to find that ball, and we got to run, and we got to get it. And if you do that consistently, you're going to eliminate the explosive plays and you know, there's a lot of things to discuss, and, and obviously number four is playing at a really high level for them, and he's going to be a key to, to our defense stopping him, I think, you know, and obviously Lamar. So we got to stop the run game first. got to eliminate the explosive plays, and then if we just play our discipline style, you know, we're going to have fun doing it. Yeah. I know it's been a long time, many weeks, maybe 20 of them since it was ones versus ones in practice, and I don't know how you handle all the inner workings because we only see a portion of it, but what about this Houston offense and how it's evolved and your observations from your side of the football because I got to think everybody gets fired up about explosive plays and the way the quarterback is playing and all of that. Yeah, I mean, just it's incredible, honestly, to watch it uh, from the get-go and then just to think of all the games and like my mind immediately goes to the Tampa game and the, the end. And then, you know, CJ's even Indianapolis when we, you know, we didn't play well on defense the first time we played them. And all of a sudden that was like the first time you're like, holy cow, they still threw for over 300, like in the come second half comeback. And, 
it's just been fun to watch all the positions, you know, the the marriage of the run game and the pass game. You know, you think, well, how are they going to keep falling for play actions? But they do. They keep working. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's awesome. There's never a dull moment. We're on the sideline coaching up our guys, getting ready for the next series. And they're all looking at that jumbotron because they don't they don't want to miss a play of the excitement. Coach, there's there's a photo of and I can't remember who all is involved in the photo, but it's the moment that Tyler Goodson drops the pass on fourth down against Indianapolis in week 18. And I want to say it's like you, it's Matt Burke, it's D'Amico, Frank Ross, and you all seemingly have the same sort of look on your face like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what just happened. Do you remember that moment? And can you take us through kind of what you're thinking at that particular moment? I do. Coach Bowling sent me that, texted me that picture last night. Yeah. And uh, it is an unbelievable picture. And I do remember, right, because that, that was a long drive. Yep. They were going down. We had missed the extra point, right? Yep. And so right, wrong, or indifferent, it's human nature to start thinking, oh, wow, they're getting close, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. to winning this game. Yeah. And, and you know, I remember there was a big stop on third and three or mm -hmm. third and two to make yeah, that yeah, yeah, fourth yeah. and two, yep. which really ends up being the play of the game now looking back. And then that fourth and two, you know, they got us in the call. And I remember D'Amico saying, oh, gosh, it's FNX, it's FNX. Yeah. Cash. And then all of a sudden, ball snap, and it's incomplete. It was just the moment. It was just mm. surreal. It yeah. was awesome. Uh, Chris, it's been a while since you coached in college. Your brother still is, obviously. How happy are you that you don't have to deal with NIL and recruiting anymore? <laughs> uh, but that is a, a reality for, for his side of the business. But you recruited you coached in college for a number of years uh, what is the difference to you as you see it now being in the nfl oh it's my brother actually says it's a different sport whenever mm -hmm. we talk about it they call it a different sport um it is it's just so different the way it's gone and you know i it's been six years now so i'm so out of touch of all the rule changes and this and that but you know at the end of the day you know those guys and and I'm coaching my guys now, and I still now I think that they're so young. And I look at Christian Harrison, like he was just at Alabama getting coached by Saban for four years, right? And it's like right. it's all the same. At the end of the day, especially with coaching, like you want to help these guys develop, whether they're in high school, college, or mm -hmm. or now in the NFL as young adults, you want to help them develop and be the best they can be. And and that's what we learned from our father, you know. And we always took that. That's the best side of coaching is is developing these guys. You kind of stole my thunder a little bit. I was going to ask you that, being a coach's kid myself, growing up and growing up. Did you talk anything but ball? And now when the, when the Kiffin family gets together, is that what you guys talk? Do you get kind of the, well, family's doing okay, family's good. Okay, let's talk ball. And then that's where you guys have the long discussions? Yes, it, it's always been that way for as long as I can remember. And uh, our, our father is 83 now, and so mm. he, he tends to tell the same stories a couple times. So <laughs> we're getting used to the same same old Nebraska stories of his uh, glory days. But, no, it's great, and, uh, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Yep. Awesome. Well, Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was a blast talking with Chris Kiffin. Really appreciate that. Now, another guy who was an absolute blast to talk to is Jonathan Grenard. He caught up with Drew Doherty to get the feel for what this one will be like at Baltimore. Drew, take it away. Defensive end Jonathan Grenard joins us now. Jonathan, this is an exciting time. Texans in the second round of the playoffs. Yep. Let's get into it. What was your welcome to the playoffs moment mm. last week against the Browns here at NRG Stadium. Just walking out and seeing the fans when we ran out the tunnel. I think we've been here and we've seen the, the regular season games and they show up, but they mainly show up more mainly show up in like the end of the first quarter going into the second quarter. Yeah. You know, people come in for tailgate, you know, everybody just getting on their own time. But this game man, they were there packed out from the from the jump. And that's when as soon as we're walking out the tunnel, we look and you see literally everything is just that environment. It's, just, it's, it's like that college environment again when it was on a Saturday game. That was amazing. I think I've been waiting on that feeling 
to get our foot in the playoffs and actually see how that environment is. That's best feelings I've, I've been a part of since playing football in general. Yeah, I was thinking about you because I still think back, you started as a rookie yeah. when we were in COVID. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. you, the first game that was played here, there it was against the Ravens, actually, and no there lie. were no fans. no fans. That was that had to be so weird, yeah. and it's so big a gulf between what you saw then and what yeah. you saw on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching that game my rookie year uh, from the box because even then we weren't allowed to be right. on the stand, me and the, on the sideline. So being in the box and seeing us play at a game that felt like a glorified scrimmage, you know, to nobody's in the stands to now you're looking up and there's literally 70,000 people in there, you know. So it's a rewarding feeling just because it makes you understand what it feels like to go through the grind. You know, obviously we can't control COVID and all those yeah. things throughout the years. But now that we're actually having a chance to be able to control our own destiny and have the fans and actually seize the opportunity in the moment that um, that is provided for us whenever these big games come about, man, that was the best feeling. I mean, to see the, the fans going absolutely ridiculous and then obviously we had the two pick sixes. That was kind of like the big highlight. Then when we had the back-to-back pick sixes, I said, one, I've never been a part of any back-to-back pick six situation. Yeah. And then obviously to see the crowd, how they responded to that. I mean, you just knew the game was over once we did that last second one. So it's, it's, it's definitely good. Lots of haymakers landed on all sides of the ball. Yeah. This is a hot Texans team. You throw in special teams yep. as well. How hot are the Houston Texans right now? I think we're just playing our best ball at the best time. And I'm still saying that we still have room to improve. I mean, obviously, we're still talking about playoff ball where you should have everything figured out, but nobody has it figured out. I mean, ultimately, no one's perfect because that's what we're all chasing. You have very good teams, but at the same time, it's about, at this point, Who's going to make the least amount of mistakes and who can come out? Who's going to have the healthiest team going into it? You know, mm-hmm. you have to be in the best shape and the best trim that you'd be able to go out there and fight and play your best. But ultimately, this is where mistakes, you can't have any oops moments anymore, you know. So that's the name of the game at this point. You don't obviously not go out there to not lose, but go out there and try to minimize the mistakes as, mo- as much as you can. So that way you can set yourself up. So we look forward to doing that. I mean, I think that's that's what we continue to hone on every weekend or every week beforehand is always what did we clear? What could we clean up? that we've made from our mistakes. Not necessarily what they're yeah. done. I mean, we tip our hats when we need to, but a lot of the things that, that happen to us, whether it's a big play or big run, whatever the case may be, is more so self-inflicted. So once we kind of started to clean those up and see how we can really affect the game when we take those out of the game, it made it, the game much more fun to go into it because we know what we can actually do when we play our best ball. So definitely excited for this weekend. Hey, everybody at this time of year is probably playing through something yeah. physically. How are you feeling physically? feel good. I mean... I'm blessed, man, because I'm able to still walk, still be able to jog, run, whatever the case may be, still be in healthy, period. It's something that I can't, uh, all I can ask for is is to be that, you know, especially at this point in the year, because it's a marathon. I mean, when you're playing a physical game like this, you're going to be nicked and bruised up like it's like it's no tomorrow. I mean, that's just everybody. But you got to take care of your body. You got to understand what you need for your body, listen to your body, consider feed your body the right things, make sure you're hydrating and stuff like that. Because as I mentioned, I mean, whoever goes into a healthiest and has their best players available usually wins the games in those yeah. senses. So that's all we're trying to do right now. Make sure we go into this game as healthy as possible so that we can put our best foot forward as we keep going through the playoffs. All right, Jonathan, tell me about this Baltimore Ravens offensive line. Oh, man, Baltimore. I mean, just in general, Baltimore has this hard-nosed, blue-collar type work ethic type of team, which is their M.O. all, as Harbaugh's M.O. all since he's been in the league. And we respect that. We understand that that's, that's who they are, and they own that. So in knowing that that is your opponent, you have to bring an extra different type of tenacity when it comes in there, in their home. You know, obviously them being the best team in the NFL, having the week off, and understanding we're coming into their territory, mm-hmm. trying to stop them to do something that they've been trying to do for the past couple of years, respectfully. So the offense line is very, very good. Some vets on the outside, we you know, with Stanley and obviously Moses. And inside, they got their two guys, you know, Simpson and on number 70 as well. And then, you know, Linda Baum inside. You know, they're all work as a pretty good unit. And obviously with Munkin as their OC, 
They have a very good job. They got more comfortable even from week one to now. They're very, very, very comfortable putting points up and understand how they want to attack opponents. So knowing all that, knowing that they have a refined type of what we've seen uh, week one, that means we have to go into our bag and, uh, and on the film session and say, hey, we got to elevate our game, which I think we have done as well from week one. So it's a great thing. I always talk about it, just how coming from last week, we just played Cleveland. So we got to right our wrongs with yeah. that team. It, it just is it's destiny at this point. I mean, we get another chance to go right our wrong against this team that caught us early on in the season. And they didn't play their best ball either. I mean, to say them as well. So I'm looking forward to see us both playing our best ball, getting them at their tip top shape and us at the same, well, uh, same way. It's going to be a showdown, man. I'm excited. I'm glad to go against my old teammate again, but definitely it's decided to go out there and play ball. Yeah, I don't know that everyone listening yeah. and watching realizes, you say your old teammate, yeah, yeah. you were at Louisville oh, yeah. for a bit with yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah. He's Probably going to win the MVP award. Sure. What have you seen from him as far as week one versus now in that Todd Munkin offense? Because yeah. he's playing at an entirely different level. For sure. He definitely looks more comfortable. He understands where he wants to attack. He understands who's going to be open. And he's still figuring it out as well, which is the good thing about him. And having a quarterback like him, I know Coach Munkin is excited to have a quarterback like that that can make your plays look pretty good. Sometimes it's a busted play. But yeah, I mean, hats off to the guy, man. As we all know what he can do in this league, what he's been doing in this league. But I know he's definitely going to take it up another notch just mm -hmm. because. It's for all the marbles now. I mean, at this point, he has to, there's no more, hey, I'm not going to take this play or do this and that. I mean, he's going to go out there and play ball and try to fight and make sure he does the best for his team so that they can win. So we got to come in and expect him to do the unthinkable. A player like that, you can never bring him down to what he can do and can't do. This guy can do literally everything. So we definitely know how we have to attack him, how we want to make sure that he feels uncomfortable and um, understand where they want to attack us with them watching us in the past and playing us in the past. But it's not going to be no cakewalk. We understand right. what they want to do, and they might run some, some certain plays again. But we still got to go there and stop it, and um, vice versa for them. So I know they're, they're excited to get, up, get going at us again, and, and, and vice versa for us too. I like the way you phrase that, expect the unthinkable. Yeah. So turn it around. Yeah. What do you expect from your quarterback, C.J. Stroud? See, yeah, I, I was going to stop you earlier when you said uh, just for sure, like, it's not an MVP on my uh, <laughs> Lamar. But for so respectfully, I mean, that, as we all know, Lamar definitely – it could be either or, but you know who I'm going to ride with. I was just saying who sure. the voters yeah, yeah, are going to say. For sure. But uh, if you had my vote, it was my vote and my vote alone, yeah, I, I'm definitely taking seven. But seeing how he's how he's just progressed throughout the season from that first game, man, it's, 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 he's doing astronomical things I mean, at this yeah. point. We've seen it. I'm just excited to see the new and refined version of him going into it. Best thing about it, I think, overall is he's not making it bigger than what it is. He understood that, yeah, ultimately we just took a loss last game. Didn't mean you played awful. Didn't mean you did this and that. Didn't mean any of these negative things that you may think is going it's to your mind. Loss. It was a it's team a team loss. loss. Yeah. So don't go in thinking that you have to do more to, to win this game. No, just do what your coach will do. The same way we're on our side on defense, we're going to do what we're coach to do. We're not going to try to go out there and do everything all over again and do more than we did last time. No, we're just going to continue to try to execute the game plan um, that we tried to do the first time. Obviously, we just didn't come up with the victory, but we're definitely looking forward to that. And I mean, I'm looking forward to see how he acts and with, it, with a second time around for sure, because I know he's going to bring it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not his MO to back down at all. He's going to bring it every single time. And I think that's why it's so infectious for the team, because not only does he want his get back, we all want our get back. So definitely looking forward to 315 or well, 4:15 uh, over there um, come Saturday for sure. Last thing for me, I know you want to play every uh, game yeah. here at home and it's loud and everything, yep. but there's a little bit of you and, yeah. and the rest of your teammates that yeah. kind of relish yeah. going on the road and trying to shut a crowd up, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you have that underdog mentality, it fuels you to go into take everything on the road. The same thing you do at home, it makes you say, hey, let's take this, the same thing we did here, let's take this on the road and bring it there. I mean, we always come with a chip on our shoulder when it comes to away games. Personally, I love away games. I mean, mm -hmm. I love the fact that I can go in there and possibly change the game to where now your crowd is out the game and now we got momentum on our side for our defense and an offense, you know, as a visiting team. 
And as we know, because I've been there, when you get your home crowd out of it, that's so demoralizing because now you have to rely on you and your brothers. You should have been doing it anyway. But now you're really solely relying on the, the heart of the team, the energy of the team to carry you through. So whenever you play an away game, you always take that chip on your shoulder, understand you're walking in unwanted territory, hostile territory. So I'm excited. I mean, I love these type of games because you make a play. You make one play and then it's, it's on from there. So everybody has that same mentality as well. And I think that when everybody makes their play, I'm excited to see what happens next. We're excited as well. January football has been a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, Jonathan Grenard, we appreciate the time. Yes, Best sir. of luck against the Ravens and beyond. Yes, sir. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Always. Tremendous stuff there with JG52. What a first segment. D'Amico Rides with Mark and I. Chris Kiffin with me and Mark as well. And Jonathan Grenard with Drew Doherty. Okay, we're going to have a little Drew's Dozen with Jonathan Grenard a little later. But coming up next, i got to give you my keys to the game. Let's dive into it. Let's get football-y, if you will and talk about this Ravens squad and how the Texans are going to go about doing it. So we got to hit the injury report, who's in, who's out, who's questionable, and then let's hit those keys. Let's do that next right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access, a playoff edition of Texans All Access brought to you by Mattress Firm. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans in Baltimore with the crew getting ready for kickoff against the Baltimore Ravens. And we've reached that point in the show where it's time for my keys to the game. So let's cue up my music. Let's get hype. Let's do this. Now, to, before we get to the keys to the game, let's lead into it with some very important information. That's the injury report. Now, this is going to sound odd, but in week 20, second round, divisional round of the playoffs, the Texans have three players with a questionable or an out designation. Three. That's it. Which is wild to think about. That's it. Out is Jerry Hughes. Now, we expected that. We have not seen Jerry um, in a while. He's not been out of practice. Would love to be able to get Jerry back. But Jerry is out, injured at ankle against Indianapolis Colts, so he's out of this game. Questionable. Andrew Beck. Now, Andrew Beck was back practicing today, so fingers crossed Andrew Beck will be ready to go. The third one, and this one, I saw immediately as we went out. I just immediately saw it and went, oh, no. George Fant, illness, questionable. Hopefully, he's going to be okay, and he'll be back. But Charlie Heck would probably jump in at right tackle is my guess. Um, but George Fant, questionable, he's played extremely well. So, hopefully, George can get back and ready to go uh, for Saturday. We'll learn more about that tomorrow as we get on the plane. If he's not able to get on the plane, obviously, he's not going to be able to play the game. But we'll see. But. From the injury report standpoint, I don't know that I've seen it like this in a while. George Fant, Andrew Beck, questionable. Jerry Hughes, out. Now, let's get to the other side for the Baltimore Ravens. Marlon Humphrey, who missed week one against the Texans, will miss this game against the Texans as well. He is out with a calf injury. Injured that calf against the the Miami Dolphins. December 31st game. So, the, he injured it. Hasn't been able to practice. He is out of this one. Deshaun Phillips with his shoulder. He didn't participate in practice, I think, all week. Uh, he's listed as questionable. Tylen Wallace dealing with a knee issue. Punt returner. Fourth, fifth wide receiver, depending on how you want to do it. He is out. Three players questionable. Mark Andrews. Devin Duvernay. They were both on IR designated to return. And as was and as is our Darius Washington safety. They are all listed as questionable. Now, the thought is, what I've read today, is that Mark Andrews is probably going to give it a go. 
So we'll see what uh, that's going to mean. But Devin DuVernay, not sure. Questionable or Darius Washington, questionable. So four questionable on the Ravens side. Deshaun Phillips, Mark Andrews, Devin DuVernay, or Darius Washington, two out for the Ravens. Marlon Humphrey, the all-pro corner, and Tylen Wallace, punt returner and wide receiver. Okay, let's get into these keys against these Baltimore Ravens. And we've, we've been kind of talking about this all week. So there's a part of me that's like, man, we kind of hit a lot of this. But we hit it fast to kind of get you in and out, and then you get kind of a good feel for this. Now, the Baltimore Ravens offense has been really, really good this year. They're first in the league in rushing. I mean, with Lamar, Gus Edwards, no J.K. Dobbins, who we saw in the first game. Um, but they're sixth overall in total offense, 370 yards per game. They, they get it done a lot of different ways. So that gets me number one. Why do they get it done a lot of different ways? Because they have Lamar Jackson. The eight ball, in the game of pool, the focal point of the entire game is the eight ball and pool. There's a danger because you don't want to knock it in. So there's always this kind of danger aspect to Lamar Jackson. Is he going to take off out of the pocket? Do we stay in our rush lanes? Is he going to throw this one fading left, falling away right, and hit his wide receiver as he did, I think, a couple times against the Niners? He can do it all. The biggest thing is to tackle him. When he gets out and gets as a runner, you've got to tackle him. Be physical, tackle him. Um, but, my God, just don't let him get comfortable in the pocket. Number two, Zay all day. Zay Flowers. He took over in week one as the best receiver on the field, and that's not changed. He's the most dynamic weapon in that offense for the Ravens. And the Texans are going to have their hands full with how you account for him. The biggest thing you can't allow him to do is take a five-yard route and turn it into a 55-yard catch and run. Can't let that happen. Number three, expose any weakness and then finish. And what that means the Baltimore Ravens offensive line is a good one. It's a very good one. Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, very good. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, uh, good. But the Texans were able to rush Lamar Jackson really, really well. But they've got to finish on Lamar, get sacks, bring him down. Do not let him, do not hit him, fall off, let him create. He did that a few times and it hurt the Texans in week one. Cannot allow that to happen. Defensively, it's one of the better units in the league. Sixth in the NFL in total offense allowed per game at 301. Only gave up 192 yards passing per game, but the Browns gave up like 165. So, never know. Now, with this group, number one, Roquan Smith. Can you block him? First of all, can you find him? You block him. What worries me a little bit about Roquan is that JOK killed us last week, and Roquan's better. Roquan, the last two times he's faced us, 32 combined tackles, four TFLs, one sack, one game-ending pick. That's what he's done against us the last two times. We've got to block zero, no doubt. Number two, Kyle Hamilton. Not Alexander Hamilton, no, Kyle. Number 14, he's scarier. You got to find out where he is on every single play. Every play. Do not mess with him. He's one of the best safeties in the league already. And finally, introducing you to a, lot, a guy that a lot of people know throughout the league, but maybe you don't know him. A lot of Aggies do because he played at AM. That's Justin Matabike. He set a career record with sacks with 13 he's got 12 tfls he's quick he's powerful he's got leverage he is really really difficult to block but the texans have to account for him they must account for 92 but that dude can wreck the game in the middle but he's quick powerful and can be a handful the texans have got to account for him okay we get back we'll do a little drew's dozen with jonathan grenard right here on texans all access What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access from Baltimore, Maryland, mostly. But it's really from our Hyundai Texas Radio Studio, this playoff edition. 
Texas All Access brought to you by Mattress Firm. Appreciate you guys being with me. Like I said, we are in Baltimore. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter uh, for your Houston Texans. And we're getting ready. Uh, getting ready to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Game will be at 3.30 Central Time. 3.30 Central Time. It's an ESPN ABC game. So on TV, you'll get uh, Joe Troy, Lisa Salters, Lloyd Rutledge. But if you do it right, pause it, get it teamed up with us on radio, and you can listen to me, Andre, and Mark uh, call all the action. Mark is getting calls from people all across the country because they're hearing his calls, and it's really, really cool. And I'm glad that he and Andre are getting uh, the run that they are. And I just love being a small part of it and a big part of radio this evening. Now, and hopefully beyond, I really hope this is not the last Friday show. That's That's kind of hit me all day, like – Man, I got to brace myself for it, but hopefully it's not going to happen. I've said it the last couple of weeks. If it's the last show, I thank you. Um, But hopefully it's not going to be. Um, Because one of the things that gets really, really sad at this time of year is when players play their last game, you don't know. I mean, even if we go all the way to the Super Bowl, it'll be sad because you don't know what's going to come back next year. Well, hopefully this next guy comes back. He is a free agent. Hopefully the Texans keep John Grenard around for a long, long time. I have been a huge fan of John Grenard. And if you don't know the story, if you go back to 2020, it's COVID year. And the week the week that COVID actually hits, I remember the, the date. It was March 12th. My family and, and I decided that we were going to go down. It was a spring break for my kids. And so we said, look, it's the last spring break. Um, my daughter was a senior, same year C.J. Stroud was a senior. And let's go down to Galveston. Let's spend a week in Galveston. It'll be awesome. We'll get down to Galveston, and obviously everything's starting to shut down for COVID. But in preparation for it, I had gone to uh, my guy Tommy in the film department. I said, Tommy, can you load me up with some games so I can watch some prospects? And so there's a beautiful day, even though COVID's already hitting, and I go out on a deck, and I have Florida, Missouri from 2019. And I watched number 58 for the Florida Gators run roughshod over everybody in a black and gold jersey for Missouri. And I'm like, I love this guy. So fast forward now uh, about six, seven weeks. We're deep in COVID. It's the COVID draft. We're all at home. And we're, we're calling action on a Friday night, talking about things. And we get to pick number 90. And Mark says, all right, Johnny, what do, you, what do you think here? And so I'm looking at my best available, and one of the best available is John Grenard. And I said, man, you know what, Mark? John Grenard's still on the board, and I really think this team could use some pass rush. Uh, I think he's got everything that you're looking for. Um, I think he rushes the edge. He's got great pass rush moves. He's got great length, strength, size. I caught up with him at the Senior Bowl. We had an interview with him before, you know, obviously everything went south with COVID, and I loved him. I was like, man, I like this guy a lot. I would like for him to be a Texan, and I swear to you, Mark goes, well, your wish just came true. It is John Grenard to pick number 90, and I just went nuts. I was like, that is awesome. I was happy I called it, but I was more happy uh, that John Grenard was uh, coming to the Houston Texans. And John and I, over the last four years, you know, we've all gotten close, guys that have been around for a little bit because we've seen some stuff now. And John Grenard turned it around this year to have an incredible year. He stayed healthy for the most part. Still dealing with that ankle a little bit. But as we mentioned in the previous segment, uh, JG going to be ready to go. Uh, And that's probably the best news that we could possibly have. There is no status next to his name. And that is a great 
thing. That means 52 is ready to rock as he was against the Browns. Now, he still was kind of banged up a little bit against the Browns, but, you know, he was playing through it. Uh, and he had a great game the first time against the Baltimore Ravens, he and Will Anderson. So looking for a little bit of that from both of them. But we only have one of them right now to do a little Drew's Dozen. So with all that football talk I just gave you, let's get a little wacky with Drew and his dozen questions for John Grenard. Offensive end, Jonathan Grenard. Green is the first part of your name, so we're ranking five things with green in it. Yep. Jonathan Grenard, mm -hmm. the Green Lantern, mm. actor Seth Green. Okay. There's a Disney sports action movie called The Mean Green. It's about soccer. Okay. And then green bean casserole. How do those uh, shake out? All right, so I'll put myself as one. Good. I like me some green bean casserole. I haven't had it in a while, but when I did have it, I used to love it, actually. So I'll put that at number two. Mm -hmm. Seth Green, actually, if I remember correctly, what movie was he off of? I feel like I know faces more than names, but he's, I feel like I know He's a redheaded guy. He's been in a bunch of – he was in Austin Wait. Powers. He was the son in Austin Powers. He okay. was in Entourage, if you ever watched that show. And he always got – he was like the villain of villains in Entourage. So he got in a big fight. I feel like things. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you've seen him I'm putting him three. I don't care. Okay. I'm number three. That he, leaves he, the mean green, and that he, leaves the green lantern. The, the green lantern, I'll put four, because I'm not going to disrespect green lantern like okay. that. Shout out to my stepdad, who's a huge Marvel and DC fan. Oh, trust me, we, we went through the whole nine. So rest his soul, but that was – the Green Lantern is definitely going four. I mean, number five, sorry. It's all good. It's all okay. good. It's a movie. It's your <laughs> rankings. Complete this sentence. I wish I had invented. Ooh. I wish I invented. I was going to say cell phone, but it's very, very cliche because, you know, there's so many different variants now of what it it's is. So cliches. I mean, we had Airplane last week by Dalton Schultz. Mm, I would have chosen Slurpee or Margarita. Okay. I wish I would have chosen cars or vehicles. I'd say one. car. You're in a goal line situation. Yep. The Texans are on offense, but they got to get one guy from the defense me. to help them out. You? Me. What are you going to play? What's the <laughs> What's the situation? Put me outside at X. Okay. Jump ball. I want it every time. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to win that one. Throw like the that. fade, huh? I love the fade. Okay. Yep, I got and it. with the pinpoint accuracy of the quarterback? Trust me, we got seven back there. Seven to, to I don't get have to do, seven. I don't even have to do anything. The ball yep. is just going to magically end up. <laughs> and you got it. Okay, which of these would you choose? You can breathe underwater, but you're mm. deaf. Okay. Or... You can fly, but you're blind. Mm -hmm. I'll be on the water. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's got to see. Yeah, it's the closest thing. To, we're already kind of somewhat deaf. I mean, <laughs> you're going to hear a whale sneaking <laughs> up on you. But yeah, other than that, yeah, I'm definitely going on the water. Give me a few of the most underrated entertainers of all time. They could be actors, they could be Ooh, singers, man. musicians. This is, this is a good one. Underrated. Somebody you love and they just don't get the credit you think they, they should. Shouts out to my friend. Grew up together. My name is Alexis, well, Alex Lapri. She's an actress. She was on Power. As oh. Effie. She's a great actress, great singer. People don't know. Shoot, she's, she's making sing. it already if she's yeah, been on power. But yeah. she's still kind of like making her way up through this. So shouts you. out. We, we grew up. That's my dog. Yeah, her. Who else? It's a lot of people out there. I feel like the ones that I do say, they already get a little bit of love. Like who? Drewski gets his props, but I think, you know, he's still not that top dog like he, how he uh, is eventually going to be. But yeah, I'll definitely say those type of people like that. Two good ones, yeah. Yeah. Anybody that's back home, I know for sure that's in my hometown. They need that shout out, you know, making music, whatever they're doing. And in the city of Hiram or up that way, yeah, they got, they definitely need to get a shout out too. So shout out to the hometown of Hiram, Hiram, Georgia. They got some pretty, pretty amazing people over there. What's the most overused emoji? The most overused, it's probably got to be, I don't want to say the laughing emoji. Because, I mean, why not the laughing emoji? But it's been chosen before. Yeah, so. the red flag one, I guess. Yeah, it's either the red flag or like the, it's like basically when it gets your attention. Right, like, because right, they put right. it on all the tweets to get you to oh, click on yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So, breaking with the flags or something like that. Anything that is like trying to grab my attention, yeah, to I don't get like you. it. I'm tired of it. What do you use too much? 
laughing emoji. I laugh at everything. I'm literally, trust me, even in this serious situation right here, I'm still like, it's killing me not to laugh certain times. Is it just one emoji or is it the, the, um, the standard I put a whole and bunch. then the sideways and boom, boom, boom? I'm the guy that's going to put the all of the regular laugh, crying <laughs> laughing emojis. I'll put a hundred of them just to let you know that I'm, I'm genuinely over here dying. Laughing. I like that. <laughs> Laughter's important. Oh man, you need to laugh in this life. Who, you makes, you, who makes you laugh the most out of your teammates? So, like, give me three or four. Man, Will makes me laugh like crazy. Will Anderson uh, Malik, Malik Collins. Now um, that's, hold on a second yeah, there. Yeah, that's two. That's a surprising one. Really, Malik? Not, it doesn't surprise really, yeah, me, right. but I think if you said that to most people who've been around they, him. They wouldn't, they wouldn't think, because he doesn't talk as much. Exactly, right? yes. He has kind of has a demeanor where it's like, you know, Closed off, but everybody knows you talk to Malik. Malik probably talks the most trash on our team, period, that yeah. people don't know. But it's like all love, but I'm trying to see one more. Who's going to make me laugh? The whole D-line in Rome is going to get me, but I'm going to say somebody else outside the D-line room just so that people know that, like, I don't. Uh, I love everybody on the team now. <laughs> sure, but you're, it's the guys you're closest Let's with. Let's see. Yeah. Between Damian Pierce, Denzel Perryman. Okay. The two and, DPs. Yeah, and who else is one more that's a funny... It's either Steven Nelson's up there too, and CJ. Yeah, CJ. CJ Stroud. He's he's come CJ up. CJ got in this a couple one, yeah. jokes. We'll go back and forth, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, all right, yeah, I'll put CJ in there. That's my number three. Yeah, I'll put CJ because he'll go toe to toe with me in my joke battle. Yeah, so, all right. Yeah, I like that. That's good to hear. Yeah, it's yeah. good to hear. You're stuck in a ten foot by ten foot by ten foot room. It's mm. full of food. You mm. got to eat your way out. What's the food you got to eat? Chicken wings. Chicken wings. Fried okay. chicken wings. It don't matter. Uh, give me lemon pepper or teriyaki, mm. or mild lemon pepper or honey. Anything. Saucy, yeah. dry. Just a little bit in the middle. I mean, I don't want it overly drowned in the sauce because wings are all soggy. But give me enough sauce, more crispier than, than, than more sauce on my end, for sure. Same here. All right. Um, what's the first thing you do when your eyes open in the, in the morning? Mm, first thing I do, wake up, take my deep breath, thank God. I look over my baby girl and see that she's breathing good and see my fiance, seeing she all deep sleeps. And I'm like, okay, I can go to work now. Like, there you, you go. Know, yeah, once I see that, I know that they're in the the bed chilling and getting the extra Z's. All right, it's time for dad to go to work. So that's the most rewarding fulfilling. Ever, yeah, you're ever. a new father. How yeah. is the sleep going these days? It's good so far, mainly because me and my fiance have a pretty good arrangement right now where she knows it's obviously during the season. So sure. I can't wake up as much as the middle of the night. But, you know, even if I wanted to, I don't think I could. You know, my sleep, <laughs> how tired I am when I come home, I get all the time where I can with her when I do come home. And then when it's time to lay it down, daddy's out. But she's amazing. So far, she's not having given me any many real problems she slept through the night the other night which is perfect but any other time she probably wakes up once or twice she probably had maybe one or two nights where she just did not want to go to sleep but i mean anytime that i can get my sleep and i wake up and see her completely knocked out i think the night went good so that's <laughs> we're so, good so when you lay down and close your eyes yeah. how long before you're out Ooh, oh, i'm out pretty quick yeah i'm one of those so, so you don't yeah you don't so i start once i start dozing off if we're in the living room the couch you know start to rub the eyes a little bit once i lay in that bed it's over with but yeah. if i say hey i'm about to make myself go to sleep it's tough for me to go to sleep once i lay my head down I'll probably take like 30 minutes i get on my phone and then i'll doze off but oh, that's if that's yeah, the first but yeah. if i but if i'm like just tired from on the couch and then i go to the room yeah i'm out instantly yeah jonathan grenard it's always we keep going on these for, yep. forever i always love talking with you about always. this and Appreciate the time. Always. Talk to you again very soon. Thank y'all for having me. Always, Drew. I really hope the Texans bring John Grenard back. I really do. Um, I think he's a great example of what you do. Um, you bring in players that have talent. They have the right mindset. They're great teammates. They foster great chemistry, a lot of confidence. And then you build them up. You develop them. They develop under your leadership. They become really good players. Uh, and then you keep them around. Um, for the foreseeable future. And hopefully that's what happens with John. My God, I hope that's what happens.
Um, but I understand the business. So I hope that's not the last Drew's does we ever hear with John Grenard. But if it is, man, would love you 52. Go and play your guts out against the Baltimore Ravens. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Okay, we got one hour in the books. We get back. It's time to go in the lab with Drew. But we got a lot to talk about. We got haircuts. We got cream of the croppers. We got Ravens. We got all kinds of things to talk about next right here on Texans All Access. We've knocked out one hour of this show. We got one hour left to go right here on a TGIFF edition, playoff edition of Texans All Access, brought to you by Mattress Firm. Thank God it's a football Friday, and it's a playoff football Friday. I'm your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, coming to you not quite live from Baltimore, but we are in Baltimore. Get ready for game on Saturday. It's the first of the four divisional round games. Kick will be at 3.30 Central. 4.30 if you're up in Baltimore. If you're up in Baltimore, come say, hey, uh, I'll be on the sidelines and hopefully uh, staying as warm as humanly possible. Weather is going to be a little bit of a factor. I think the wind will probably have a little bit of an impact on things. Um, but nowhere near what it was in Buffalo, nowhere near what it was in Kansas City. Last couple of, uh, last couple of games this past week. So uh, hopefully the Texans are ready to go. Man, they really had a good kind of dry run on Tuesday. When they had practice, and it was like 21, 22 degrees, wind was kicking. Boy, it was cold. And they had a little dry run, so that was uh, good to go through. So uh, hopefully that will help them in preparation for this one on Saturday. Now, a guy that was born in Baltimore, but got to Houston actually within the first few months of his life, is Drew Doherty. He and I do a little podcast called In the Lab. So let's cue it up right here. We talk a lot of different things about the win over Cleveland, getting ready for this game against Baltimore. Who are the cream of the croppers for our game against Baltimore? That's all right here on In the Lab. This is exciting. This is super exciting. I am riding a high. I'm embracing this journey. You know, you always hear, take time to embrace the journey. And I've heard this over the like decades. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that. Well, I'm actually living this. I'm, I'm enjoying what's going on. Because we saw how awful things were just this time a year ago before D'Amico was hired. We'd been through three, four years of just misery. I am fully engaged and enjoying this process. I know you are as well. I mean, let's just start with that. This is so much, no matter what, this is awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the, it's hard really to put into words. You know, people ask and I'm like, I, I go back to the last three years and I'm like, think about how, how y'all as a Texans fan felt the last three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now just have that, like have that right there. How you felt. Oh, it was terrible. It was this, it was that. I was like, okay, now go in the building every day and that's your job every day. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's way worse. Yeah. Uh, I tell the story. Uh, I don't know if I told the story. Uh, it's uh, in the lab story time. So this was probably two and a half years ago. I I think I was coming back from work or whatever, but I'll, I'll wear my Texans gear out and about, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, whatever. And so I'd gone to get my hair cut. Um, the place shall remain uh, nameless. But I went into Great Clips, and as I walked in, there was – Wait, you, I just, you went it, into – Schmidt slips. Yeah, what? Schmitt, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. So I went in there, and it was a place I'd gone to for for a little bit, and 
so I knew some of the 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 people in there that that cut hair and they're they're really nice and they got to where they would recognize me maybe didn't know my name or whatever and so I sat down at this one woman's chair where I had I had been before and she saw my Texans stuff and she was like ooh why why you Texans fan like ugh, why and I just kind of like you know, I know times are tough, but you know, I, I work for the team, et cetera. And right. she stopped and she goes, well, does that mean you have to wear the logo every day? And it just hit me like, wow. Okay. We've gotten to such depths that this woman is questioning, like why I should even wear the logo. And I work for the team. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remembered that. And, and so at that point I'm kind of checked out and she's talking about at that point, well, you know, I'm a big Cowboys fan, but I'm a big Oklahoma fan. She's talking about, you know, football and you can tell she knows enough to be dangerous, but not enough to be intelligent about it. And I just was like, yeah, okay. Um, sure. Well, I've, I've since moved away from that. And as you guys can see, if you watch this on video, I need a haircut. I got a lady. I got a lady for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm tempted to go back there wearing Texans gear and see how she feels um well it, because out. the last that i looked we're still playing and her teams aren't well time out um i've got a lady who has cut my hair since 2009 and she's fantastic and she she once asked me does every state have a nfl team mm-hmm. so a little different a little yeah different, but a little different but that, at, and, 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 hey that she but she didn't denigrate her, she didn't denigrate no. your employer right in front of your face sports is just not her thing and she's she was asking a legit question a one you know I so i stopped i stopped going to see her i went to the same one but i would ask for somebody else um I'll, but i feel like going back there and asking for her and saying and, and wearing it saying hey um we're doing pretty well yeah, how are the cowboys yeah the cowboys Do they have this how about game? them cowboys are they playing oh no they're well, they're keeping the same head coach, and we'll play them up in our. Well, we'll play them up in Arlington. But I digress because there are other things to talk about, Drew. Okay, but let's talk about these Baltimore Ravens. This is going to be a. Um, this is a, this is a, a, a winnable game. It, it's for I don't think this is a nine points. I know Vegas thinks it's a nine. I think this is a much closer game. I think the Texans can absolutely win it because they have something special at quarterback in C.J. Stroud. No broken news right there. Let me just tell you what you're beating if you wind up beating the Ravens. NFL advanced stats. I was talking about this with you mm-hmm. before we we got on the air. Yep. So the the 23 Ravens, the 1985 Bears, which is the best team I've ever seen. The yep. 85 Bears and the 84 Niners, two best teams I've ever seen. Yep. So the 23 Ravens, the 85 Bears, and the 1972 Dolphins, which only undefeated team in the history of the league. Yep. Those three teams all Average 25 points a game while leading the NFL in rushing offense and scoring defense. So it's three things there. Hmm. Minimum of 25 per. Number two, led the NFL in rushing offense. Ravens had 156 and a half per game this year. Yep. And they led the NFL in scoring defense, which means they gave up the fewest points per game. They averaged, teams averaged 16 and a half points a game against them they average 28.4 so they win basically by 12 points every game this season on average on average so you're in talk with those two teams the 72 dolphins the 85 bears 
you're you're a historically good team. You should probably win the Super Bowl or be in the Super Bowl. But I think you can beat these guys. And one thing, actually two things that I've seen have come from ESPN personalities that have really, really piqued my interest and emboldened me and given me even more confidence in this team. Lewis Riddick, mm-hmm. who I think he interviewed for this job. He did. To be GM. He did. Uh, interesting guy. Has some some cool facts. But he was talking about the chess match and how it's like 4D chess between offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick and their defensive coordinator, the Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald. Yep. Not the guy that was uh, uh, with the Doobie Brothers. Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Not that guy. Just talking about how high-level things are and how yeah. one team runs zone and the other team is so good at beating zone and some of the stuff that Bobby did against the Cleveland Browns that got these guys open. So I saw some of that, and that was really cool. And then Orlovsky, Dan Orlovsky, who was a quarterback here, he was actually a uh, backup when I was starting out with a team. Really good guy, sharp, sharp mind, football-wise, loves the game, you know, ingests hours and hours and hours of footage of the game. He was pointing out, hey, the first time these two teams played, yes, it was a 25-9 game, but this was not some coasting to victory by the Ravens. The Texans' defense played really well, did some really good things. Remember, they sacked him four times, Lamar yep. Jackson. They stripped him and and recovered a fumble once. They picked him off another time. And he was pointing out, Darren Orlovsky, none of that stuff. He was pointing out what the linebackers were doing. Christian Harris, Denzel Perriman, against the run. You got those guys. Now you're adding in Blake Cashman. So it's fun. Go look at their Twitter feeds is what I'm saying, basically. Dan Orlovsky and Lewis Riddick. And it's really, really cool because there's some stuff that just kind of gives you even more confidence because we already had some of that confidence with C.J. Stroud under center, but there's some of these other, you know, inside football stuff that it's got me geeked up, John, and I know you can expound on a lot of these things, on all these things. Well, one thing that stood out to me, when the Ravens played their non-JV roster, they... So every game aside from Week 18, basically. Aside from Week 18. Which they lost because they were resting guys. Yeah. 265 is the number I'll give you. Hmm. 265 is the total yardage that the Ravens hmm. generated that day against the Texans. That's the that's lowest. That's the lowest the Ravens have generated total yardage-wise. Now, the other team that was close, which will sound weird, but 268, the Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. So the one thing that I like about both teams, the Cardinals in particular, the Cardinals – I mean, the Cardinals' defense was was plucky, if that's a good word to use. But they were really good and dialed in. Now, they gave up 31 points in that game. But they gave up 268 overall, which those are the two lowest totals that the Ravens faced. And one of those was against the Texans. Now, I could see the Texans, you know, it's the first game. You look at the last four games that they've played with their non-JV roster. After the bye week, 449, 396, 343, and 491. So I went and I watched the 49ers and Dolphins games last night, actually. And I, as I, I, I don't mean to do this, but I, I try to go in with some expectations, but not like, okay, just trying, you know, cause I watched a little bit of the 49ers game because it's Christmas night. So I watched a little bit, but I hadn't seen any of the Dolphins game. And I, I was like, okay, are we going to see the 72 Dolphins, 85 bears in these games? And I'm like, damn man, the Niners gave them that game. The Niners <laughs> gave it to him, like handed How it so? to him on a How ladder. So? How so? Oh, turnovers. 
they ran the ball. I mean, per- Purdy made some he made some dumb throws, really dumb throws. I mean, the one early in the red zone is just ridiculous. Now there was a tip ball interception, um, but then there was another one by Patrick Queen in the red zone in the uh, uh, defense. Well, the that well he caught it in the Ravens red zone. So as soon as he caught it, they were in the red zone. Um, Purdy was just off. Now the Dolphins, the Dolphins were able to move the ball on them, and. That gave me some hope. Like, man, th- this isn't the 85 Bears defense. It's a good defense. Not the 85 Bears defense. We can move the ball on these guys. And if we move the ball on them, then it becomes we've got to put the ball in the end zone. Um, and I've been on the sidelines for uh, three games, and we've scored, I think, a total of two touchdowns. So that, that's got to change. And I felt like we moved we, – excuse me. I felt like we moved the ball, can on the first time. We just couldn't put the ball – well, from about late first quarter on, we just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Um, took a lot of sacks that day. Um, pass protection will be different. You'll have a Dieter, you'll have a Scruggs, which you didn't have in the first game, and that, that should help a little bit. Um, and, well, And on the whole, it's settled in. I mean, yes. It's seasoned. It's found, right. They have found a little bit of a groove there. Yeah. Um, but I walked out of the, the room after watching those two games – uh, and went to bed, and as I laid my head down, I was like, it's a good football team. It's a really good football team that we're facing. And and uh, we kind of got a group text with Andre and Mark and I, and Andre must have been thinking about the game because he's talking about how great the Ravens are and all this kind of stuff. And here's the thing. Mark Jackson hasn't taken a snap in a game since December 31st. So on Saturday, that'll be the 20th, that'll be nearly three weeks since he has taken a snap in a game. Yeah, And – Sometimes that's enough to throw off your rhythm. And if we get a little bit of wind, I know they're used to playing in Baltimore, but look, Lamar Jackson's a Floridian. Um, You you never know. Uh, So you just, that's the kind of offensive machine that it's a Lamborghini. And if all the widgets and the sockets are all working together and the pistons are firing, man, it's tough to stop. But if you just have a little bit of the widgets off just a little bit, man, that thing can break down. And that's what you've got to really take advantage of. You can't have you can't have bust in the secondary. You got to know where you need to be. You got to tackle extremely well. Whenever you have an opportunity to make a tackle, it's got to be made on the spot. And I'm not just talking about Lamar. I'm talking about all of them. They all run really, really well after the catch. And look, they're gonna get theirs. They're they're this offense is really kind of rounded into shape. Mm-hmm. But you got to hope that in some sense that they're off a little bit from having this break, this rust. And you've been playing since uh, I think it was October 29th. Every single Sunday or Saturday, you've played a game. So you are in a particular rhythm of how mm-hmm. you do things now. And this is the third straight Saturday game. So you're not rhythm too. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that you capitalize upon that as much as you possibly can. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Now, one last thing. You, you, you got your, these numbers from the 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 uh, research packet that we get from the NFL, which is really cool. Yes. How about this? This is this is pretty impressive too. Because they got cool stuff about us. Yeah, they do. But whenever you mention the Pottsville Maroons, I'm gonna give you this number. The Ravens have seven wins of 14 plus points versus teams with a winning record entering the game in 2023. That's tied with the 2014 Patriots for most in a season all time. Mm-hmm. So the Ravens and Patriots both had seven wins against teams with a winning record. The next with six is the Pottsville Maroons of 1925. 
the good old Maroons won six games. Now, I think they ended up playing 12, so it's a better percentage. I think um, myself a geography – like, I know geography better than most. Yeah, don't you do. Where, don't know where Pottsville is. Yeah, I'm not totally sure what Pottsville, Pennsylvania, Ohio – I mean – I believe you. Who's to say? But, yes. look, we're – I I think personally, and Drew, you've seen every playoff game. You've been around every single playoff team. I feel like this Texans team going into a divisional round – is the most well-rounded and most ready for the opportunity of all of them. Even, well, even 19, I felt like yeah, man, yeah. defensively, we've really shown some cracks in the armor. I'm, I'm worried about that. I feel better about this team, and I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I feel better about this team going into the game, no matter how good the Ravens are and who they're playing. Um, I just feel good about what this team has done and will feel good no matter what happens on Saturday. Yeah, even if you get smashed on Saturday, You've never gone into the, the playoffs and been in the playoffs this hot. Yep. And you've never gone in yep. with a quarterback this good, this lethal, this efficient, like CJ Stroud. Yep. You just haven't. Absolutely. So, lots to feel good about. And uh, you brought up Lamborghinis. It brings me, it reminds me of the uh, little song that my kids sing every once in a while. You can't ride in my Lamborghini. You're too big and the seat's too teeny. So there you go. Maybe the seat's too teeny. <laughs> for that Ravens Lamborghini to roll, yeah. you know? Yeah, there you go. Um, okay. We got to talk cream of the crop award winners. If we're on Sunday basking in the glow of a victory, getting ready for the AFC title game and a trip to either Buffalo or Kansas City, I don't care. Bring it on. I'm all for it. But if we're getting do it, getting ready for that and kind of groggy after the uh the late night flight return home to a jubilant city, who was your cream of the crop award winner against the Ravens then? The cream of the crop. Mr. Blake Cashman. Oh, I like cash money. It's before you before you get into your breakdown of cash money, how awesome and how hilarious was his block of that poor offensive lineman that he bait Blake got the the on the pick six by Steven mm -hmm. Nelson. Blake pushed this guy and this this poor offensive lineman looked like a cartoon, you know, off three hundred 30 pounds of him well, wheeling on the, on the it was Wyatt Teller and Wyatt Teller is one of the best guards in the league and yeah. Wyatt Teller has done that to plenty of linebackers. So I'm sure there were plenty of AFC North <laughs> linebackers watching cash going. Yeah. Put 77 that he actually went out of the game after that. Uh -huh. He went out of the game and went into the tent. He missed the next series. So he wasn't on the field. So. He did come in after that um, for a little bit, but yeah, cash was block was incredible. I just feel like teams that end up, playing the Ravens well or beating the Ravens. And there have been three teams that beat the Ravens this year. And I feel of those, a couple of them have pretty good linebacker play and they have fast linebackers. The Colts, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, the Browns, mm -hmm. JOK, uh, Taki Taki. Um, and I think at that point of the year, I think Anthony Walker was playing fast, smart, athletic linebackers to slow down all the different things they have to slow down. And that's, that's a lot to really be disciplined with Lamar uh, to handle Gus Edwards, to cover tight ends, to drop in his own coverage on over routes and say flowers, no BJ. I mean, there's a lot, a lot that is put on the shoulders of uh, Blake Cashman and Christian Harris. I mean, this is almost kind of twofer, but I feel like cash has got to have that game. If, if Christian had that game last week, He's got to have a solid game, but Cash has got to have that kind of game this week. Love it. That's my cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Love it. My cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. 
I'm going to go with running back Devin Singletary. Seven carries for like maybe 15 yards in this first yeah. go around. Yeah. But this is a different offense. This is a different using usage of Singletary. He was money in the bank on Saturday in that win. Didn't have to use him too much because you were hitting the explosives, but right. the explosives helped him. He helped, you know, fuel some of those explosives because of the threat of what he can do. If you want to pull off a win on the road in the cold, you're going to need to run the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think um, cold weather precludes you from passing and hitting the explosives right. for for that ma- matter, but you got to get some production and you got to get it from him. And I think he's going to be up for the challenge. He's going to be up for the job, and I can't wait to see what happens. Drew, that goes to my point earlier about watching those two games against the, the Niners mm-hmm. and against the Dolphins. Devin A. Chan and Christian McCaffrey got theirs got theirs early in the game when it was still a ball game. Mm-hmm. The longer you keep it a game, the longer motor becomes an even bigger factor and stays a factor. And so that's, that's key. You keep it a one score game throughout, uh, or you take the lead motor becomes an even bigger factor. Um, what happened in those games is the, the Niners went down early in the second half, like 30 to 12 mm-hmm. and the running game had to, to go. Same thing in the Dolphins game. The Dolphins got down 28-13, and they just jettisoned A-Chan, basically, and away you went with the passing game. And so you you can't allow that to happen. You've got to stay ahead within a score so that motor continues to stay a factor and the run game continues to stay a factor against them. Let's do it, man. It's almost been 50 years since the city of Houston has had a football team go to the AFC title game. Texans get a win. That's going to happen. And I can't wait for it. And regardless, we're going to be back next week doing one of these, but I'd rather be doing one of these, getting ready for the AFC Championship game. I'm telling you, if that happens on Saturday, we win this game and we're going to the AFC Championship game, I will cry. I will probably cry on the air. I'm just going to tell you, um, this is my third division round game. Lost to the Patriots. Played really hard. I mean, it was 24-16 going into the fourth quarter. First play of the fourth quarter, Brock threw an interception, and that dream went to hell. Um, Kansas City, we had a 24 to nothing lead, if you didn't, haven't heard. Um, and then things went uh, sideways. Um, and you know the rest. This one, let's see. Here's one thing I told Mark. Every game we've been down by four at half. 17-13, 17-13, 17-13, Hopefully this is going to be a little different game, a little different outcome than what they have been and different from week one. Now, there are three other games. I will pick them straight up and against the spread next right here on Texans All Access. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. Hopefully not the last one of the year, but it is a playoff edition brought to you by Mattress Firm. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And let's get to it. It's one of my favorite segments every single week. Let's crank my music. It's time to pick divisional round games. Now, what I love about doing this is the fact that there are typically, what, 16 games over the weekend, right? You know, one on Thursday. You got them all on Sunday except for uh, a Monday night game. And then you've had, you know, uh, Monday night doubleheaders and things like that. Once you get the divisional round, there's four games. That's it. There's four games. And obviously, I never picked the Texans. Can never go against my heart and my head, even though I feel pretty solid about what the Texans are bringing to the table. Baltimore is favored by nine. The numbers moved a little bit. It went up to nine and a half. I, I heard uh, somebody, maybe it was Landry today, saying it was eight. I don't know where that is, but the Texans – are not the biggest underdog. That would be the Green Bay Packers. So let's get to that game. Green Bay Packers taking on the San Francisco 49ers. Jordan Love was outstanding. 
pretty similar numbers to almost identical numbers to C.J. Stroud, 16-21, 272, and three touchdowns against the Cowboys. Blew them out 48-32 down in Dallas. That gave them, A, the first win of its kind for a seven seed in the NFL playoffs. So you got that. It's kind of like UMBC beating Virginia in March Madness a few years ago. Uh, but you got the 49ers at home. They're rested. Brock Purdy's got an opportunity back in the playoffs to do some things. When the 49ers don't play well, it's a lot having to do with the quarterback situation turning the ball over. That happened against the Ravens. It cost them badly. Brock didn't play terribly, but he just turned the ball over way too much. I don't think that happens. I think they beat the Packers by 10. I'm going 34-24, 10 or more. But I feel 34-24 is pretty solid. I just think the Packers can move the ball a little bit with Jordan Love in this offense. But a 10-point win gives San Francisco a cover of 9.5 points. 9.5-point favorite the Niners are. So Niners win. NFC Championship will take place in San Francisco, Santa Clara. And the 49ers win 34-24. Okay, 34-24. Let's get to the other game of its kind in the NFC. This will be on Sunday. Uh, kick is at 2 o'clock. Bucks taking on the Lions. The Lions are favored by six and a half. I don't know quite how I feel about that, to be honest with you, because I feel like, actually, I do know how to feel about it. I think the Buccaneers are going to cover that number. I think it's going to be pretty close. I think both teams can score. The number I really like is the over-under. Now, I know Todd Bowles is a defensive dude. They only gave him nine points last week, uh, but it's 49 and a half. That feels really low. I think both teams are going to put the ball in the end zone. I think the Buccaneers are going to get inside that six and a half. I think the Lions are comfortable playing that kind of game, keeping it close, but winning it in the end. And I think that's exactly what happens. Bucks cover, Lions win. Bucks cover, Lions win, sets up Lions 49ers for the NFC Championship. All right, final game. Sunday, early evening, Chiefs, Bills. A lot of snow, still in Orchard Park. It's the first time. The Chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes as the starter, will go on the road to play a playoff game. Now, the Bills ended up winning that game in Kansas City. And I believe if Kadarius Toney was not ruled off sides, I think the Bills would have not even made the playoffs. But, as I've said this many times, you let them in. Now, they're a problem. I think the Bills are going to win this. I think they're going to cover the three. I think they're going to knock the Chiefs out for the first time and not being in the AFC Championship game since Patrick Mahomes has been there. He'll make it close for a while. But then the Bills will pull away in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs will come apart at the seams. And the Bills will host the AFC Championship. Hopefully, it's against the Houston Texans. So there you go. Niners win and cover. Lions win. Bucks cover. Bills win. Bills cover. Texans win. It's going to set up one heck of an AFC championship weekend. Okay, when we get back, it's D'Amico Reloaded right here on Texas All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access, a playoff edition Texans All Access, brought to you by Mattress Firm. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and every single Monday, without fail, except for Christmas, Mark Vandermeer and I get a chance to sit down with a man that is getting his flowers, as should be. His kudos for everything that he has done. Now, I know he will tell you, job isn't finished. Not at all. He wants this one badly on Saturday. And that is one D'Amico 
Ryans. So we call it the Miko Reloaded. Here's Miko talking about what happened against Cleveland and what could happen against the Baltimore Ravens right now. Well, here he is in the Hyundai Texans radio studio with his voice in full region <laughs> on his way to the divisional round, Coach D'Amico Rounds. Coach, congratulations on the enormous win over Cleveland and getting into the next round. Your thoughts on where you sit right now? Thank you, Mark. It's an exciting moment for Houston Texans football, right, to have such a huge win versus a tough opponent in Cleveland Browns. They're very proud of our guys. With them, I, I talked about it last week, but – Hopefully our guys come with that same focus. I can feel, I felt it last Tuesday how locked in our guys were, how on it they would be throughout the they were throughout the entire week. And uh, when you feel your team, you feel like that laser focus. You feel them being locked in. It gives you that sense of confidence as a coach. It's like all right, no matter no matter what we call, mm -hmm. right? They're gonna they're ready for it. They're up for the moment. They're up for the challenge. And we need the same thing again this week, Coach. I. Don't mean this in a way of, oh, you guys wanted revenge or anything like that. But how much of the focus do you think was there because of how Christmas Eve day went against them the first time? Yeah, I know that played a, a huge part in uh, being locked in. Right, Anytime you feel like, not that they embarrassed us. I told the guys it's almost like, like we embarrassed ourselves yep. in a sense because, and I feel like we didn't show up. I told the guys, I felt like we were more so – too focused on Christmas <laughs> as yep. opposed to being ready for the game right. and prepare for the opportunity that we had to kind of kind of seal our fate and get that playoff spot locked up a lot sooner right than the last game of the season. So that does play a part in like being a little focused. Sometimes it takes that failure. Sometimes it takes right getting punched in the mouth to kind of wake up for a second and see like, oh, I have to make sure I'm on my P's and Q's so the embarrassment doesn't happen again. Coach, it seemed like for a time this season, you weren't stringing together the games the way you really wanted to. Maybe you had a win and then maybe a game you didn't like and then another win. So it was a little bit inconsistent, but now you've won three in a row, head into the divisional round. What's the difference here? What are you seeing out of your team overall, week-to-week -week prep and then execution throughout the game? For sure, it starts with the prep, and what I'm seeing is consistent prep, right? It's consistent prep. It's not a... We're not a team that's surprised that we're that we're kind of here. It's uh, or happy that we're. It's uh, it's consistent. Everybody is working the same way with the same intent, the same detail each week, and that's what I've seen these past mm -hmm. couple of weeks. And you know that way, nobody's getting too high. Like, oh, we're here. Like, no, everybody. We've been talking about this for a while. It's like we're not just here, just along for the ride, right. and just happy that the Texans are in the playoffs and. Now we're just supposed to be happy that we won our first game. Like, no, the ultimate goal is everybody who suits up in the NFL is to accomplish, you know, win it all, right? And our guys understand that focus. You don't get there just by talking about it. You get there by working at it diligently throughout the week, being being on it in the games. Like, when you line up in the games, just executing, not making a moment bigger than what it is, but just playing good football and just – think I always try to pull our guys focus back to that like no matter how many TV crews are around no matter how many interviews you're doing like what what happens when the ball is snapped it comes mm -hmm. back to just playing fundamentals technique playing really clean football and if you do that consistently for four quarters we'll be where we want to be coach there was a point in that game first about mid first quarter through the 12 minute mark 
of the second quarter. And I made a note of that because after that, they don't score. But kicked field goal. They go down and score. You come back, Nico scores. They go down, they score with Kareem Hunt. Then Brevin gets his touchdown to put you up 17-14. What stopped the shootout, i.e., what was the key at that point for you guys defensively to not give up another point the rest of the game? What I've told our guys <laughs> at halftime is that we cannot give up the explosive pass. We, we knew that again going in. Mm -hmm. It was almost like, oh, man, is this a repeat of the Christmas Eve right. battle? It's like we cannot allow them to throw the explosive passes. Whatever you do, just make sure we stay back. Right. right? Make sure we stay back. Make sure we're on top of the receivers and make sure we force the ball to the checkdowns as much as possible. I don't care how, if they, they throw, I want them to throw it to the checkdown every single time. And I uh, think when we were able to stay back and they forced that and guys yep. were able to see like, okay, right. Can they methodically just drive down the field on us? No, the only way they can get down the field is if they create some type of chunk play. And when we stopped the chunk plays and guys were dialed in on eliminating the chunk play right now we were able to really you know get after them and the biggest thing were the third down stops yep. right getting off on third down getting the pressure on Flacco making him fluster making him throw some you know some bad passes at times I think that was the key how much do you practice blocking during an interception return? Because, <laughs> Coach, that was a parade going down the sideline when Steven Nelson got that first one. Everybody seemed really enthusiastic about <laughs> being able to execute what they had learned. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's something we've been teaching since uh, training camp. We teach uh, sideline return, and we do it in our turnover drills, and we'll do sideline return drills. And we kind of kind of teach the guys, like, first thing first, everybody wants to go – when the ball is returned, everybody wants to just take off and run. Well, the first key is you have to block the guy who they were throwing the ball to. So right. we say you block the intended receiver first. I think Desmond was able to get the intended receiver, mm -hmm. right? And then if you got the ball, make sure you get to the nearest sideline and get down the numbers. And we got, and we call it sideline near sideline return. Everybody blocks. Make sure you block high and in front. So we had a. <laughs> We had the guys running down the sideline, and Cashman starts with the big block on the offensive line. He takes him out, and then Stingley uh, finishes with a great block. I think it was on a running back who showed up, and Stingley was able to get a block on him. That was the that was the cleanest I was telling the coaches. That's the T's tape right there. That's the T's tape yeah. for how you get a sideline return. That was perfect. And, Coach, along those lines, I know from, from our angle, uh, you're not able to see this, but on the TV copy they showed – from I don't know kind of from this angle over here where they were shooting kind of down our sideline mm -hmm. there's a madman in a red shirt running with <laughs> Nelson I mean he's flying but besides him which is you <laughs> I saw the offensive guys jumping off the bench like Nico's running just outside of you to go like meet Nelson and it felt like it was that perfect moment of this team of what it's been about offense happy for defense defense happy for special teams everybody kind of happy for each other's success i don't know if you had a chance to see that but did you kind of sense that when that play happened all the everybody just running on the field and getting excited about what what just happened yeah i didn't see it until after because as you said the madman was running yeah, as yeah, well yeah. you're focused <laughs> i was almost in the end zone myself but uh yeah after after seeing them, now I realize it. Like, I'm trying to get guys off because the <laughs> clock has started. So now I'm trying to get guys off yeah. the field so we can kick the field goal. And I look up, and it's, it's Nico, it's Brevin, it's yeah. 
all of the offensive guys, all right, uh, reserve guys out on the field, everybody's just celebrating that moment with Nelson. And that's cool. That's the team. That's yeah. the enthusiasm that I love to see from our team. And that's that defining moment of, man, everybody is truly happy for the success of their teammate. Yeah. Unselfish, unselfish play by everyone. But we're truly thrilled, excited for our guys when they make plays. You're not a man, man. But, <laughs> but you, in that you, moment. But you you were running like you were chasing a running back back in the day. That's for sure. Coach, uh, Christian gets the next one, the next pick six. And I know you've answered some questions about him. I get the feeling the winning is the best thing, but you really enjoy the individuals having their game improve, the individuals involved in seeing them improve the level of their performance. As a teacher, that must mean a lot to you. Yeah, it's everything. It's um, what I truly believe in, my philosophy of coaching. It's all about, you know, it's all about developing young men. And to see, you know, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all pretty from the start. But you, to see a guy like Christian grow throughout the entire year, to see him have that same play a couple of weeks ago versus the Titans, right? And we're able to kind of correct it. And, hey, this time it just makes sure you step in front. And to see that moment just happen as a teacher, as a coach, there's no prouder moment when you see a young man step in and make that play, take the coaching point to heart and actually execute it the proper way. And for him to make the biggest play of his career – and I'm so excited for Christian, so proud of him, right, for just making a big play. And it's, and it's, I tell guys, it's not when you try to chase big plays, like they don't happen. But mm. when you're just focused on your individual job and you're just focused on your technique and you do that the right way, like the big plays will come. And none speaks better than that one that Christian made. Coach, just kind of along those lines, I've always felt like at some point, a coach stays in it because the coaching bug strikes them at some point. Did you have a moment as a younger coach when something like that happened where you taught a guy a technique and you see him have success and you're like, yo, I love <laughs> seeing that happen. Is that, is that kind of the way it maybe happened for you? Did the, did the coaching bug strike when you had kind of a teaching lesson you gave to a player and he was successful because of it? I mean, it started really, I mean, for me in high school, I was helping out with the high school kids mm -hmm. uh, during the, during the lockout year. It was just oh, yeah, yeah. seeing these kids just get better and better each week and to see it all come to life. We had one spring game and to see the kids go out and play fast and execute and make plays and to see their faces when they won was like, oh, wow, that really sparked a bug for yeah, me. Yeah, it's yeah. just seeing from where we started and seeing the growth and development of those, those young kids just within a three-week span and to see them finish with a win and how excited they were to win, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yep. And that was, the, that was the moment that coaching got me. Yep. <laughs> as far as where we are right now, and you talked about it, you have to do what you do and not let the moment get too big. How much do you rely on your experience, maybe with the 49ers advancing or other members of the staff who have been on teams that have advanced and you yourself as a player, how much do you rely on that stuff and draw from it as you address the players getting into this next round? Right, yeah. I mean, being with the Niners the past couple of years and having that experience of going, you know, a couple of NFC championships games, Super Bowl, and I remember I just think back to the preparation, right, and how we prepare throughout the weeks for those games. And the one thing that always stuck with me is nothing changed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, at, it's like at that moment, like, you don't – nobody hyped it up as this big game and it's like it was – it's the next game. 
mm-hmm. right? And we kept that focus, and I think that's what allowed me to have that having that experience. Now it helps me to speak to our team and to keep them right steady. <laughs> yeah. Even though we have a lot of young guys, I don't want our guys getting too amped up for a game just because oh the the weight of this game means this. Like no, like just stay focused on your execution because I know that's what wins, and I know when. It didn't happen when I lost games in the playoffs. I know what happened in those games. It wasn't guys thinking about that moment too, or trying to make plays in that moment, but it just didn't execute when we should have. Or, man, we worked on this particular play, and we're not where we're supposed to be. Or the receiver didn't run the particular route that he should have ran. It was just that was that's what happened in those games, and that's what causes you to lose those games. Mm-hmm. This is when guys lose focus. Guys lose sight of executing the job the proper way. That's what loses those games. And one of the things I love, Coach, as a sideline reporter, is the fact that the last four games, my math is correct, maybe the last five, have been inside. That's very, that's very nice for a sideline <laughs> reporter with all the equipment and everything. I don't have to get wet. I'm, but now we got to go outside, as does the team. And it looks like it's going to be a little bit chillier than it is in Houston. But we've got some chilly weather here. How does that help in kind of preparation for the weather aspect of things? Yeah, I think. With our weather here in Houston this week being cold, I think it helps a lot. Now we can, I guess you can get used to it a little bit, having to prepare throughout the week. So, man, we're fortunate that we do have, you know, unseasonably cold weather here in Houston and we can go out and prepare and our guys can see, you know, a glimpse of what it will feel like. You know, it'll be much colder, whether we're in Baltimore or Kansas City, it'll be much colder. But for those three and a half hours, tailgate, lock in, it doesn't matter. You got to lock in, right, what's ahead of us what's on the other side, yep. right, of, of winning this game. Like, that's all that matters. If your focus is on that, then you can minimize, you know, how cold you'll be in that moment. Yep. Well, last week was no picnic either for Houston anyway. You were practicing outside, getting ready for an indoor game. And the <laughs> wind, Coach, I think the wind has got to be a big factor. When the Texans with you played at Green Bay at 08, really mm-hmm. cold, single digits. But Schaub and the guys talked about, hey, it wasn't windy. They threw for over 400 yards in that yeah, game. that's it. The wind is a huge factor. It's one thing of being cold, but the wind and when you can't really throw the football like that's – that's where it will struggle, and that's where it can cause some issues. So hopefully the wind winds isn't up too high mm-hmm. so we can uh, allow CJ to spin it a little bit. Coach, I know it's hard when you're in the moment and you're coaching, you're calling ball plays, and you're you know scoring touchdowns, and you're trying to get guys. But you're in the coaching moment no matter what. Was there any point on Saturday where you were able to kind of say, dang, man, that's pretty cool. I mean, the crowd <laughs> showed up, was loud. Was there any kind of moment when you looked around and went, dang, this is cool? Yeah, the moment for me was uh, when the lights were off in the stadium and everybody was holding the, the cell phone oh, and the yeah, lights. Yeah, yeah. I, was, yeah. I was just, I mean, on the headset at that moment, I was like, oh, wow, this is such a cool moment. I haven't seen this before here in Houston all year. Like, what a cool moment. I was just telling guy, hey, make sure you take this in. Take this moment in because this is a, a really cool atmosphere. Our fans showed up big time for us. They were loud. And to see that moment in a stadium where I think it was a timeout or we were you know, in between quarters. So that was a moment that I always remember in that Browns game there of just, you know, how the the lights off, the cell phone lights out, right? How many fans showed up. That was a really cool moment for us. Absolutely great moment. And a moment later, you were like, all right, back to the intensity. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but I noticed that in the locker room afterwards, there was such joy 
after you beat the Colts. And there was joy after mm-hmm. beating the Browns. But nobody is ready to say, this is it. Nobody's ready to say, what an accomplishment this season is. They really want more. You feel that. You can sense it in all the players. You definitely sense it. I think there was a, yeah, the moment versus the Colts, it was, that was a great moment. We knew who we were in. And that's someone that we had been talking about. All Just give us an opportunity to get in, get in. We we earned that right to get in. I think how that game, how we won that game too. Like that was a exciting moment for us. That was a special moment. Oh, you come into this Browns game and everybody kind of, it felt like they knew it going into the week. And they know we want more. So that moment mm-hmm. in locker room probably wasn't, it wasn't as crazy because guys expected it. It's confidence. And that's what you want in your team, playing better at the end of the year, confident going into games, expecting to win games, expecting to play well. That's what you need in the playoffs. You uh, answered my question about confidence. That, that was exactly it. All right. One thing I wanted to ask you about, though, since Devin Singletary has really taken off week nine, your running game, I know you want to run for even more yards, but we've talked about this from time to time, but this is something you can really rely on now. This is something you can take with you. You know who you are, as opposed right. to week one where it's sort of feeling things out. We were thinking back to that. CJ had only played a handful of snaps in preseason games. That's his first real NFL game. So you guys have a lot of experience compared to that out. Yeah, for sure. A lot more experience. And, you know, I always say you want to run the ball, right? You you want you run the ball to win games. But, you know, to score, you got to throw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it's uh, we know who we are, right? Yeah. We don't have to force it. If right. it's there and we can pop some runs, we'll pop some. But, you know, we have a quarterback who can throw it and we can get yards in the air, even on the check down plays like the plate of Brevin, mm-hmm. like CJ can throw the ball five yards and get credited with a 76, <laughs> yards, 76 yard pass. So it's, uh, you know, however we have to get it done at this point, it really doesn't matter. Just get it done. Coach right. from week one to week, whatever we are now, what's probably the thing you're most proud of about your team? I would say, man, I'm, I'm proud of the growth, but I'm, I'm proud of just the, at this moment right now, it's like I'm proud of just the confidence that we've earned. Yeah. <laughs> and I always talk about confidence is earned. It's yeah. not given. Right. And I'm proud of that confidence that we've earned as a team and sitting here at this moment right now when we need it most, <laughs> when nobody else is going to uh, have your bag, nobody else is going to pick you to win, like, we're confident in ourselves. We're confident in each other. And that's what I'm most proud of. Yep. Amogee Bank Ask Coach Question of the Week. All right, Coach, parenting advice here because we need some. Uh, the listeners are <laughs> a lot of the listeners out there are parents, and your kids have been in the interview room after wins and I guess after all situations. Uh, Greg Bailey had them on Inside the Game on ABC 13. Johnny said they were there the other night. So well behaved, yeah. incredibly well behaved. So What's good. the secret? Give us a secret or two in having the kids be so well behaved. Oh. Thank you, Jamila. <laughs> <laughs> the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> no, my wife does an outstanding job with them. But our kids, they're they're precious, man. I, they're they're so kind. They take care of each other. They look out for each other's brothers and sisters. And it's it's all about just just pure love for each other. And uh, they have fun playing with each other. But it's just loving on them, giving mm-hmm. your kids as much love as possible, man. And 
and our kids. We're thankful to have you – know, we're blessed to have really great kids and just to see their precious smiles. That was a, a great moment for me. I didn't I didn't expect to see them mm. uh, when I was coming up the tunnel after the game. So to see them and that it's like, wow, that was a that was a special one for me as well that I that I always remember. But man, we got great kids and I'm thankful for my wife of holding it down for me. We're lucky Houston. That man is our head coach. Not just the Texans head coach, he's our head coach. And I love the fact that we get a chance to talk to him every Monday. A big thanks to D'Amico. Uh, to Jonathan Grenard, to Drew, to Mark, all of you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Kick off 3.30. Pre-game show starts at 12.30. Be there. Let's go get this win. And as always, go Texans.